0: Welcome. I'm Pastor Brandon. I get to serve here as the lead pastor. And last week, my family and I got to get away for a little camping vacation. And uh, CJ got to step in as our student ministry director and and share. And I got a phone call this week. Uh, obviously, a lot of good feedback from what God did through CJ. And uh, as we just reach out into the community and help in so many different roles and, and, and opportunities, um, June was sharing with me just what God's put her in uh, a unique role helping some of our first responders, some veterans, some military, and, and some unique ways. So, I invited her to share a little bit uh, how we can help just that resource and get some of these, these people that are helping serve us uh, and some of the, the consequences of that, some mental illness and different things. Um, so, she's going to share kind of what she does and, and how we can help.
1: Thank you. Good morning. I'm June Kester. Uh, most important, I am the mother of Kaylena Body and the grandmother of Levi, Kesley, and Caleb. Um, I do volunteer for two groups, Mighty Oaks Warriors program, which got started on a ranch next to ours out in Parkfield, and also Honor Flight. So um, first of all, are there any veterans, uh, current enlisted, or first responders? And that would be all of our law enforcement that help us. Could you raise your hand, please? I know there's some there. I know you're out there. I know you're there. I'd like to say to them, um, welcome home. Thank you for your service to our country.
0: Yeah, you're good. I, I can call my couch in from four yeah. miles away. No, I don't, no, I don't let me finish because I only have a certain amount of time and i got to get off here. Okay, you're good.
1: I want to thank you. See, I could do it. Anyhow, I want to thank you um, for my freedom and law enforcement, and we're looking down over in places. Thank you so much for my safety. It's very important. Um, so Honor Flight... We take veterans back to Washington, D.C. for three days, 100% paid for. What I need from you is names. I will go after them. If you have their contacts, that's even better, but I will track them down if you can just give me a name and maybe where they live. We need to take them back. We're losing 600 a day. This is our World War II Korean and Vietnam veterans, so if you know of any I represent 130 hubs across the United States. I will find them if they're in New York, Florida. It doesn't make any difference. Please help me with this. And the other one is Mighty Oaks Warrior Program. That's a faith-based group. It's on a ranch. Again, it will never cost them a dime. We bring people from all over the United States, but now we have six ranches across the United States. We take in men and women. from the military, veterans, and first responders, because they all see and do things that we ask of them, our country, that they can't undo and they can't unsee. So we take them in for a week. We feed them great beef. Beef, what's what's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I'm a rancher. Um, We put them on the back of a horse. There's something about a horse that's really good for the soul of a person. We do marriage retreats. Uh, We're losing 21 a day to their own hand. Of first responders and military so i'm asking you please please help me find the names give me the names of these people i will track them down they deserve to go there and be treated very very well and have the word there for them to help them deal with these post-traumatic stress syndrome whatever it may be so thank you very much y'all aren't done with me yet i get to read to you uh, and it's an honor yeah. luke eleven two through 13. and he said to them when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is in debt to us and lead us not into temptation and then he said to them which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me 3 loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and i have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within do not bother me the lord is now the door is now shut and my children are in bed with me I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives.
0: It's the word of the Lord. Praise be to God as we gather today. It's a privilege and an honor and a, a joy as we see the Lord moving in different ways. Um, I've been talking with a buddy whose whose brother's enlisted and really going through a tough time mentally. And June left a voicemail for me last week, and so connecting with him. He's like, hey, we got to get him connected. And I'm like, I know exactly who to get him connected to in Mighty Oaks. And it's one of those things where oftentimes in churches, there's kids ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry, and then there's the mental health space. And there's different addiction needs that come up. And it's a huge reminder uh, to us that we gather, focus on Jesus, and then we go and we bring Jesus wherever we go to whomever we meet. And there's so many resources that often we, we, we maybe forget or we don't know are a part of what God's doing in and through the body. And so we're able to kind of start that process with Him and see what the Lord has for them. And, and yesterday was a good reminder. We went on this little run and uh, seeing a ton of our church out there in different roles, some from a school, others from the the local police department, and others just friends in the community, and and seeing the the hands and feet of of the church represented there to raise funds for some teens and and different people that are going through some challenges and need resources, and um, obviously some of you are like, what? Why would you run? You're like, I know it's not a half mile, it was only three, and I had my daughter to kind of guard my pride a little bit, so I had a good good, good excuse to walk some and, and run most of it, but it was cool to see her finish it. And this, this sweet old lady ran up behind her and was like, Don't let me beat you. And so we're able to cross the finish line running, uh, contrary to her desire. She's like, Let's just walk. And I was like, oh, Trust me, it sounds good. We can't do that, though. My friends are watching me. It's too embarrassing. So as we open the word, I'm sure some of you are like, Sweet, we're going to learn how to pray today. So it'll be interesting. And, and I pray as we, as we open God's word that you'd turn your eyes to see how God's going to teach you how to pray. It's easy to look to an outline or someone's prayer, but as we see here in verse 1, Jesus was praying. So he, he demonstrated that this is important. He finished as one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. So John's teaching his disciples how to pray. You're doing cool things. Teach us to pray. We want to do these great works. We see these needs mental illness, physical illness, spiritual illness. There's all these problems in our society, and you seem to be answering them, healing, resolving, but it's all coming from this prayer source you can tap in. Help us, can we get that prayer? I want to pray that prayer. And a lot of religions uh, have taken prayers and recited them and said them flippantly and and, in different, you know, people say this is the Lord's Prayer. It says that in your Bible. It's It's wrong. It's just flat out wrong. This is not what the prayer Jesus prayed. Jesus never sinned. So in this outline, Jesus says, forgive me as I've forgiven those who've sinned against me. Jesus never had to ask the Father for forgiveness because he never sinned. This is the outline for the disciples as he's teaching them, as he's teaching us. His prayer is actually in John 17. And as we see, they needed to be taught. And I think back about... The times I needed to be taught. I needed to be taught how to ride a bike. As a kid, I didn't know how to ride a bike. I saw my dad ride a bike. I said, hey, teach me how to ride a bike. I want to ride a bike like my friend. So there was a time I had training wheels. And then the time for those to come off occurred. And he was there, had his hand on the the seat of my bike. And I got going a little bit. And then the hand let go. And I was wiggling, wobbling a little bit. And I made it. And it was good. It was great. So I got taught how to ride a bike. Then my grandma taught me how to make the best Rice Krispie Treats. I know some of you might laugh. No, seriously, like, hands down, the best Rice Krispie treats. A lot of you don't know this. You put way too many marshmallows, and you ruin them. Like, I won't touch them. It's just a, me- it's a mess. It's a problem. You just pull some of the marshmallows out. It's okay. Equal out the marshmallows and the Rice Krispie, and then the key is the butter. Just add, like, butter in the pan, butter in the dish they're going to go in, just butter everywhere, and it's like you can't ruin it. Just add the butter. It's so much sweeter. It's delightful, it's delightful. Uh, so that's the Rice Krispie treat secret. My, my grandma taught me how to do that. And the the better they are, obviously, you know, hot out of the pan, nice and warm. Another time I was up at Hume Lake, this leadership retreat, and, and I got asked to pray. And so there I am with like 30 other people, all these leaders, and, and the director of the camp, and I'm praying out loud. And afterwards, my counselor comes up to me and says, hey, um, no one knew what you said, because no one could hear you speak. You were so quiet. When you pray publicly, you have to speak loud and, and lead us into prayer together. And so I learned, my counselor taught me, when you pray publicly, you have to pray loud enough for everyone to hear. Well, obviously I was smart enough as a junior in high, I didn't know what to pray or how to pray or if I prayed the wrong thing. So I just prayed like loud enough, people could hear some noise, but quiet enough, no one could understand what I was saying, so I was safe. I didn't have to pray the wrong thing. I didn't have to. I don't know if I prayed the right thing. No one knew. And then when it went silent, they knew it was over. And it was kind of this awkward. Like I think he said, "Amen." I don't know. Let's go eat lunch. And I was like, "Oh man, I dodged that one." I think. And my counselor was like, "Dude, you got to pray louder." I'm like, "Well, someone better teach me how to pray then, because I don't know." And I learned that you got to pray loud enough. So I was like, "Oh man, I better go to God's word. I'll just pray this. You can't go wrong, right? Just pray God's word. You're good." And and so I started this journey saying, God, teach me how to pray. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? Apparently, when I pray publicly, I should probably pray loud enough. That makes sense. People need to hear what we're saying and when we end. But but what do we say when we're saying things in the presence of the Lord? I learned then that you need to pray out loud. When did you learn how to ride a bike? Who taught you? When did you learn how to make Rice Krispie Treats? Was it the back of the box you just read and hope for the best, and they came out with a ton of marshmallows in there. You know, it's a mess. Someone needs to teach you, hey, pull that, the recipe's wrong. Pull some of the marshmallows out. Find that balance. More importantly, who taught you how to pray? Who taught you how to pray? You know, one day a book showed up when I was an intern at a church, and no one ordered it, no one claimed it. So I was like, sweet, I don't know how to pray. And it was a book called Prayer. I'm like, perfect, the Lord delivers and I read it, and it had some cool insights, but I still didn't really know how to, I was like, that's a lot there, a lot of helpful guides, but still, how do I pray? It walked me through some stuff, but as we see here, it expounded off this simple outline that Jesus says, here's how you pray. Here's the posture. And, and through those prayers and through learning about the different ways God uses prayer, it, it was more of that. When you start praying in the spirit and the presence of God, God works. And here Jesus gets our eyes off of the outlook. And instead of looking outward, we look upward. And that's it. That's the bottom line. If you don't get anything else to help you in your prayer, stop looking outward and start looking upward. And, and that's where we see God work. And he starts out in verse two, when you pray... Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He doesn't say anything about looking outward. He says you got to look upward first. He means that there's these priorities here. As we, as we see his prayer in John 17, where we get our mission statement is that we would know God looking upward first. That's salvation. And then the sanctification, the growth that happens is when we know God, we're going to think like God. We're going to have a desire after God's Desires and what we speak then comes out of the overflow of our heart, and we start praying God's desires, and then God's will is answered. And so we see this outline come back when he says in verse one, he's praying, and they say, Hey, you should teach us to pray. So he gives them the outline. Prayer is not natural, and effective prayer has to be taught and learned. As we see, the disciples were needing to be taught. They needed to learn. They needed to see that prayer shows God our trust, our faith, and our expectation and desires are in Him. And so we see, first off, there's the outline of prayer in verses 2 through 4. Secondly, God expects persistence in prayer, verses 5 through 10. And then the third point we're going to see is that God provides from prayer, 11 through 13. So the outline for our prayers is found in verse 2 through 4. How are we to pray? When you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So Psalm 20, verse 7 says that some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name. We trust in the name, not in chariots or horses, but in the name, which is the character of our Lord, our God. For the Jew, God's name was so holy and so just had so much reverence and fear to it. They wouldn't even write it on paper because they they would write G-D because they knew that if they wrote God's whole name out, which which obviously that was like Yahweh, but now if they wrote G-D, if they wrote the O, then it would be destroyed and that would be irreverent. That would be taking the holy, powerful creator God and throwing him in the trash with that piece of paper. And so they were out of this reverence. So Jesus is saying right away, when you pray, Father, which he brings this, this word, Father, which is translated Abba, which is this term of endearment and relationship. He's saying, Father, ha- Father, hallowed be your name. The name that we ask to be hallowed is Abba or Father. This is really revolutionary because God's name as creator is Elohim. His covenant name is Jehovah, as well as his many other names are to be hallowed. But the emphasis here is on his name as father now in our day we, we've taken the father abba and, and we a lot of the the american western church puts jesus on a shirt and's like jesus is my homeboy like what's up jesus hey can you hook me up with some cheap gas it's crazy expensive all right sweet and that's how we treat jesus it's like wait that's that's god who created all things and who paid for your sin and gave you new life let's treat him with a little bit more respect and reverence and it's not just hey we go to give daddy a high five, and hey, dad, can you hook me up with a parking spot that's closer? Can you do this? And hey, just fix this. It's, hey, I have an opportunity to go into the presence of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because Jesus was buried in the grave, rose again three days later, I can call the creator, the covenant God, I can call him father. I can have 100% of the time, 24-7, an audience with the king and call him father. That's what Jesus is saying. Until I save you, until you know that I'm your God and that I'm your savior, you don't have access to the king. You, don't, you can't call him father. But once you're saved, now you can step into the presence of God and call him father. What is, so what does it mean to hallow God's name? The word means to set apart as holy, to consider God's name holy and treating it that way. So hallowed means that that you give the unique reverence that God's character and nature as Father demands. You give the reverence that God's character and nature as our Heavenly Father demands. Are you praying for our community that that your neighbor would just know Jesus? Or are you praying that, that God's name would be hallowed in our nation? And that's a different subtle, but different prayer. And I think even for me, as I look at this, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of just want my neighbor to know Jesus and, and not yell at my son when the ball goes over the fence. Like, that'd be a good thing. You know, he should know Jesus, get his heart changed, be nice. But if I pray, as, as God gave me this vision of this county, and I was reminded last week, I talked to my buddy who's good at numbers and math. And I'm just like, why doesn't everyone know you, God? Like, that should be a thing we should pray for. Hallowed be your name in this whole county. 270 or 240,000 people should know God. And he reminded me of that number. And I was like, yeah, that's right. We have a job to do. We got, we got a lot of people who don't know Jesus in our county. And there's a good amount of churches. But even in all the churches and, and people you know, I'm not the best at math, but I could say probably close to around 200,000 people don't know Jesus in our county. Because a lot of people, maybe you, churches I grew up serving in, in our county that have moved, you know, they've retreated back away from the front lines, as we like to call California nowadays. And there's a lot of people here who, who are moving and have not heard of Jesus. And the more you share Jesus, the more your, your eyes opened it. Man, Jesus' name, the Father's name is not hallowed in our state, in our county. There's a lot of people who've never had the book opened, much less heard about God's love. And we have an opportunity to pray for that and pray for opportunities that we could share the hope we have with them, the hope we have in Christ with them. And it's different to pray that that Jesus' name would be hallowed in our nation, in our state, in our county. And so he says, first off, pray for his name to be hallowed. Second, his kingdom would come. They're to pray that God's name would be holy, and second, that his name would be honored and that his kingdom would come praying for the fear of the Lord to grip their hearts and that His kingdom would come and they would see His way of life. They would have His desires and they would pray for His will to be done, that, that God's power would be here to heal the sick. And as we, we see just the eternity in, in men's hearts awaken, as their eyes see that they're in sin in need of a Savior to forgive them. And so as we see His kingdom come, We're praying that His name would be hallowed and that He would bring His kingdom from heaven to earth, that He would redeem, restore the marriages that are broken and suffering, that His kingdom would come and and help us share the gospel and build that that kingdom here. And then He transitions from that and says in verse 3, Give us each day our daily bread, which is truer to the Greek, that it's not just today, it's tomorrow too. Give us each day what we need physically. So we're saying, "How would be your name, your kingdom come, and you're going to take care of my gas price today, and you're going to take care of my energy bill tomorrow. you got it covered. My physical needs, roof over my head, clothes on my back. you got it. That's where true peace, 100% shalom. Jesus is saying, hey, go to your heavenly Father and let him know your physical needs and, and thank him that he is going to give you each day what you need. Some of you are, like, as you read that, you're like, okay, give us... Today our daily bread, but it's each day. And then he goes on in verse 4, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. So our bread, our sins, and our temptations. We bring our physical, we bring our spiritual, that we've sinned and we need his forgiveness, but we need to forgive others first. And then, Lord, don't lead me into temptation Lead me away. Lead me into your righteous path. Lead me to be pure in mind and pure in heart. So we see these outlines moving from hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and then this physical, spiritual reality that we need first to forgive others as we've been forgiven. And interestingly enough, when we think about it, This this story about two sisters who loved God and rented this flat together represents kind of what happens in our lives where we love God, but it's hard to forgive. These two sisters loved each other, loved God, and they got in this theological debate and they just could not agree. They got in this disagreement and they're like, that's it, get the chalk out. So they drew a line in the flat and said, that's your side, this is my side, and let's figure out you can leave at seven to go to work, I'll leave at eight, I won't talk to you, I won't see you. We'll we'll use the same entrance and exit, but we just won't see each other. And and they're not going to forgive one another. But yet they would go to church every Sunday and pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive others. Only they were living as they rightly should have said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you as I don't forgive my sister. And so many times that's how we live. We go, hey God, forgive me as I've sinned against you, but I'm not going to forgive this person who I've sinned against. I'm not gonna forgive. In that, in this reading, in this outline, Jesus is saying, you have to be forgiven first in order for you to forgive others. And as you pray this, you have to say, God, forgive me as I've forgiven others. Otherwise, you're praying condemnation. You're saying, I still deserve you not to forgive me because I'm not forgiving. And so we have to forgive first. And that's only possible if we've been forgiven first. Interestingly, as we see this story, it really drives home the point that probably the most loving, God-like action we can do as believers is forgive as God forgave you. Probably the most God-like action we can do as believers is forgive as God in Christ forgave you. This is just reinforced over and over in, in, in the Gospels in, in Matthew 6 and Matthew 5 is Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are merciful for they shall be shown mercy. And if you don't forgive, then your Father won't forgive you of your sins in Matthew 6. So it's pretty clear that we need to be in prayer, hallowing his name, that he's forgiven us, and then we can forgive others. And as we pray for his kingdom to come, it's depending on that. Are we known by our love? And are we known by our forgiveness? Because so many times, even yesterday, I'm having this run and family and we're eating little kids with candy bounce house. I'm talking to this person, all of a sudden it's tears and it's pain. And it's this church, these people, they hurt me. And I was able to go, yeah, that's life. People hurt you, I've been a part of that, and God forgave me, and I forgave them, and now I have this testimony, I can help you. And she was like, wow, thanks you, we talked, I'm so glad we talked, I'm still so hurt. Like, I know, but there's healing, and it's through prayer, it's, it's through prayer, it's hours of sitting at the Father's feet going, why did this person hurt me, and how am I supposed to go for and God's like, I know they hurt you and they shouldn't have, but they did. And, and remember how you hurt me and you shouldn't have, but you sinned against me. And I forgave you and you forgave them. And now there's this whole forgiveness dance happening. And because of that, we can go and love others. And we can wake up the next day with scars, with bruises, with scrapes and go, you know what? I'm going to love this person because God loves me. And, and I know they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve my forgiveness. But because I didn't deserve any of that and God freely gave it to me, I can freely give it to them. And Jesus is saying, this is how we pray. We go to the Father and we say, hey, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom's coming. Give us our physical needs. Forgive me as I forgive those. And I don't want to sin anymore but I keep struggling and doing the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I ought to do. So we go back to the outline of prayer and we go over and over in that. And I don't want us to just repeat these words or say these words flippantly because we see the outline of prayer that Jesus shares with his disciples is to be seconded with this persistence in prayer where you, you have the spirit in you, you have this new mind, a new heart, and you keep praying what God's put on your heart. And so the first thing is the outline of prayer. Second, God expects persistence. It's not just going to the Father once and saying, hey, can you forgive me of this? I'll forgive them, we're good. It's constantly being in prayer. Someone asked me the other day, like, hey, how do I do that? I'm like, yeah, it's prayer. Like being able to forgive people only comes with the reminder constantly of how horrible I am and how much grace and forgiveness I need from the Father, and then when anyone sins against me, it's like, yeah, I forgive you. Like, any forgiveness you want, here you go. I get it, because I mess up all the time, and I have a constant source of forgiveness from the Father, so as much as you need, here you go. There's no problem. But I can understand why it's hard to forgive someone if you've never been forgiven, because all you've been treated is, well, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and if you backstab me, then I'm going to backstab you. And that is what the world looks at the church and goes, how can you forgive? How can you just let it go? God expects persistence in prayer so he can have his purpose in you. As we see, this pattern of prayer won't make us prayer, just having a pattern of prayer won't make you a prayer warrior, just flippantly saying words. We need determination and truly pray the things that Jesus wants, the the good things, the will of God, which you have to know, which comes only through reading his word. So we can't ask for something one time and then go off as if we never asked anything of the Lord and expect it to happen. Imagine you receive a phone call at midnight. What's the first thing you think? Who's calling me this time of night? That's weird. And they call again. You might check the caller ID, but you don't answer the phone Right away, and you say to yourself, "I wonder what they want." It's not the big of a deal. I'm out of it, you know. I'll get it in the morning. It can wait. And then they 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 call again. So you're like, "All right, man. Maybe it's urgent. Maybe something tragic's happened." So you pick up the phone. It's the persistence that finally wears you down. And I love that. And, and my son and I are similar. And we he's he sees me asks for things, and then I I get things. And sometimes they're free. Sometimes I don't know. Just you know and. So How the Lord works, and it's you don't ask, you don't have because you don't ask, Jesus said. So I just keep asking, and the Lord delivers. And people are like, Dude, why do you do that? It's awkward. And I'm like, I don't think it's awkward. I got stuff for free. Like, you paid for it. What's awkward about that? And in the reality, I, I just think this is an opportunity I, I can show you. And I've invited other people in, and my son's like, Yeah, see, mom, we should ask for things. And I'm like, Well, we have to use it with wisdom. You can't just go to like a dealership, and say, hey, I need a new truck, and they're going to give it to you. Like, you got to be, you have to let God use you. And and it's interesting, as we're putting stuff together for a VBS set, and, and I found and found this guy who has all these fence stuff, and, and so I got to talk with him for an hour, and share Jesus with him, and he's like, ah, it's for the church, just take it. I'm like, sweet, perfect, because I don't have enough cash to pay anyway, so Lord provides. and uh, And it's one of those things, though, where it's, it's God's will that we reach kids with the gospel. So how are we going to do that? And there's challenges all along the way. Volunteers, materials, supplies, support. And God always comes in and says, hey, if you do my will, if you're in prayer, I'm going to provide for you, but you have to constantly do it. It's not just, hey, in a couple years we're going to do an outreach, show up. It's every day being consistent, asking, seeking, knocking. And I love that in verse 8, he's like, dude, it's because of Impudence It's because persistence is because you keep asking and pleading and some of you are like, "That's great. My marriage still sucks and I keep praying. and it's a mess. That's great. My bills keep coming and I don't have any money to pay them. And I keep praying. And it's an encouragement and a reminder to keep praying. And, and life is not supposed to be easy. And doing God's will certainly never was easy or will be easy. And that's why we have to have prayer and persistence and saying, okay, God, help me. Help me. Help this person. Help me love them. Help me love them. Help me be patient. Help me be patient. They don't deserve it. They're, They're making me mad all the time, but I need to love them. And that's exactly Jesus's example. There's never a day that he woke up and was like, sweet, you guys are lacking faith. Let me show you again how to cast a demon out of somebody. You guys are... He's always pushed to that limit and he responds so patiently, so graciously because he was up all night praying, because he was constantly withdrawing in prayer, getting his mind not outward, but upward. And then he saw these challenges and was like, cool, God's got this. When they asked, hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents? He was upward going, well, it's for actually my glory to be displayed. It's not him or his parents' sin. It's about upward glory, being persistent in prayer. What are we praying for? our outline of prayer, second, our persistence in prayer, and then thirdly, God provides from prayer. What does he provide from prayer? No good father would answer their child's requests with an evil substitute. We see he transitions from verse 10 saying, everyone who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. to verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I read that and I was like, man, I wonder if when I have kids, I should try that. Like, hey, that kind of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? No, but I got you a scorpion. It's pretty awesome. Like, it's got a little stinger here. You want that for lunch? That's kind of a fun show and tell. You might get sent home early, but hey, we'll see what happens. Like, where did Jesus come up with this? Like, hey, this is a good illustration, but it shows that, man, even a despondent. Dad, distracted with his phone, would still give his son a good thing. He wouldn't give him something evil. How much more would our Heavenly Father give to those who ask? And if God's producing His work in us, transforming our mind, renewing it through His Word, as Romans 12 says, then we're going to test and approve of what God's will is, and we're going to pray for it. We're going to desire His will. His will is for our marriages to work. His will for the family to stay together. His will is for the gospel to go forth. His will is for our community to be transformed through the work of the Holy Spirit in the church going out. So why are our prayers so small if our God is so big and the harvest is so great and the need for more workers is prevalent? Our prayers should rise to that. Matthew 7 ends this saying, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And Luke says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, all through Scripture, we had a, a conversation about this as we were prepping for the message with the team. And it's like, well, you think God can, you can change His mind through prayer. Like, well, there's some times where it might seem that way. There's some banter back and forth or some prayer. But all the time it's actually God who's consistent and it's our will, our desires that are conformed to His. And that is what the process and purpose of prayer for the for the one who's praying submits to God and says, Hey, I kind of want this, I kinda want this. And eventually we see the Holy Spirit transform our mind and change our hearts to desire the things of the Lord. So when we're praying. God's like, of course I'm going to give you what you want because you want my kingdom to grow. You want my name to be glorified and you're going to do the work and I'm going to empower you to do it through, your spirit, through my spirit. So why do so many Christians pray such tiny prayers when their God is so big? As we pray God's word, maybe the fruits of the spirit is where you start. You go, man, you're, you're hallowed be your name. I pray that for me, for my household, for our community. And your kingdom come. And in my life, I need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you, do you have those? Are your kids like, dude, my dad's so self-controlled every time. He's like so calm and chill. That's not true. You talk to my kids like, yeah, dad loses it sometimes. Like, okay, we gonna pray for Pastor Brandon. He needs some self-control. We could pray those things. Man, is, is there... Is that evident in our lives? We're always needing to grow. When you look at the your marriage, the problem is you. Husbands, it's you. Don't think it's your wife. It's you. You're like, Oh, yeah, it is her. No, it's you. When Adam sinned and Eve sinned, God didn't come to Eve. God came to Adam and said, what's your problem? It's like, oh, the woman you gave me. It's actually your problem, God. In prayer, we have that realization of what, has happened, and God can help heal. God can help that forgiveness, and then we can forgive others. In giving this outline, Jesus is saying, look, when you read the Bible, you're going to know who God is. You're going to hallow his name when you pray. So first off, when you read the Bible and meditate on it, you'll know God. And through prayer and meditation on his word, the process of aligning yourself and conforming yourself to His will 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 take place. And second, through that process of sanctification, which is that growth, your mind and heart will remain clean. We have to have a clean heart and mind. And so many times, as I was studying again for this, going all these prayer resources, this guy was saying, man, I go to God, and sometimes it's my emotions that I, I have these desires, and I have to go, okay, desires aside, God, what are you doing in this time? What do you want me to learn or how do you want me to respond? And it's having a pure heart and pure mind, letting God speak to you and not just speaking to God. And thirdly, if we de- desire our faith to be strengthened, we should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried and therefore through trial be strengthened. Some of you are like, man, I just need an outline. And, and one outline is, is like cats. That I, as I was growing and learning how to, how to pray, someone said, you know, Confess your sin, adoration, you know, praise God, which is a little out of order from what Jesus said here, because Jesus is like, adore God first, right? Honor, hallowed his name, and then his kingdom come. So you, could, you can confess your sin, adore God, and then give him thanksgiving, and then your supplications at the end, then you ask from God. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a helpful thing, but as we talked about giving you an outline, I'm like, I My problem is I'm a copy-paste. Like back in high school, I was a whiz at doing that, like copying people's homework. Like, what's the answer to B? Okay, C. What's the answer to three? You know, and and you get stuck, and you don't learn anything, and there's no testing, and there's no memorizing Scripture and going to God and saying, what do you—it's a process. And I I realize, I recognize, as I read some books on prayer, they helped me get into that mode where God could reveal things in my heart. But it's so much sweeter and deeper and real when you sit with God and, you, and you're kind of a kid, right? Like Jesus said, come to me as a kid. You're like, hey, God, I want to do this. He's like, no, it's a horrible idea. You're like, what? I want to do this, God. He's like, no. And you're like, ah. And then all of a sudden you do the thing he told you to do. And you're like, that's awesome. I should do this more often. And then it's the same thing again. Hey, I want to go over here. Nope, don't do that. Oh, come on, Lord, it's going to be so good. It's your will. It's actually not. My will's over here, but let's just go over here. And you do the will of the Lord and you realize how sweet it is. And one of my heroes, George Mueller, was, was a punk in, in his teens, so I, I can kind of relate to him. As if you knew me as a teenager, thankfully most of you didn't. Uh, but he was saved. He had this vision to have these, these, these orphanages and foster homes, and he, and he saw just amazing work of the Spirit in his life. He never asked anyone for money. He just prayed, and the money would flow in. Sometimes, like, within the minute of when the, the bill was due, the money would be handed to him, and he would just hand it over, exact amount. And he was on a ship in uh, August 1877, and he was going to the United States, and the weather turned, and the fog set in, and, and so he went up to the captain's bridge and said, hey, captain, um, listen... Uh I need to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. And and the captain said, It's not that's not even possible. Like, even with good weather, but there's the weather's turned, I don't know when the fog's gonna let up. This is not possible. And and so Mueller said, Okay, listen, I've been I've been following the Lord for fifty two years and I've never been late for for an engagement, so we need to go pray about this. And and the captain tells Mueller, Look, do you see how dense the fog is? Like look outward. The the fog is so dense. And, and Mueller tells the captain, I'm not looking outward, I'm looking upward. And I know the one who's in control of the fog. We're going to go pray about this. So they go down and they pray. And, and as Mueller finishes, the captain starts to pray. And Mueller puts his hand on the captain's shoulder. And he says, stop, don't, don't pray. And the captain looks at him and he's like, look, you don't believe God's going to lift the fog. Plus, God has already lifted the fog. Go out and see. And so the captain looks at him bewildered and like, what? What? No way. So he gets up and walks across the room they were in, opens the door, and sure enough, the fog was lifted. The captain looked at Mueller in amazement. And the captain's the one who told that story to this evangelist. And the evangelist said that he's never met a man with greater faith and consistency in following the Lord Mueller testified that in his lifetime, over 50,000 specific prayers were answered. And that's a story that, that's a little out of reach, but I'll never forget when we went on this, this trip down to Peru and we were doing this, this outreach and a, a huge storm had come in. And it was about to rain and this prayer warrior was out there and, and she was like, I, see, I can see demons and pray them away and I'm going to go pray for the clouds to go away. And it was like, you know, I was in college. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm wanting to learn about prayer. Can I go? And she was like, no, you can't pray. I was like, what? And it was kind of this story is like, you, you shouldn't pray if you're just praying flippant prayers. Like you have to learn. It's, it's a, you have to be taught and it's okay to not know it yet. It's okay to grow in it, but it's a dependence and it's a belief. Like she was like, yeah, you don't believe yet. You need to grow in this. I was like, okay. So I, I was humbled and persisted in prayer and it's, It's amazing to see the faith and the gift of faith that God gives to those prayer warriors and she did she prayed and the clouds went away and it wasn't her it was God and her dependence on God and her pleading God and her persistence in prayer all night the night before praying and that humbles me and and it challenges me and it should challenge us to go how big are our prayers are we praying for God's kingdom because she knew an innumerable amount of people were gonna come in and maybe hear the gospel for the first time and only time and the weather was threatening that. So she prayed it away. It's not to be taken lightly to, hey, next time your son has a soccer game and your family's in town, you're gonna pray the storm away so everyone can watch little Johnny play soccer. It's different. It's God's will, not our will. And the primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into such line of communion with the Father that by the power of the Spirit, we're increasingly conformed to the image of the Son. And we know, hey, this challenge is before us to test our faith, but our faith is in God. and, And we're looking upward, not outward at the problems. We're looking upward to the one who controls everything. And we're submitting to Him saying, this is your will and you can take care of this. And it's gonna be great. And we can daily live in that dependence on God because our Father will give us the one thing that's necessary. Luke is saying, look, it's the Holy Spirit. The last three weeks, we were reminded we rejoice only in our name written in the book of life that we're saved. Not that we can cast demons out of people in Jesus' name. We rejoice that, that our salvation is of the Lord, not of our works. But yet through our works, we can love those who are in need and hurting from the story of the Good Samaritan. And last week, the Mary and Martha story that Luke put together to end is We sit at Jesus' feet and we're filled up with Jesus before we go and serve like Jesus. And right away, Luke's like, but hey, I'm gonna teach you about prayer. You need to know it's through the spirit that God provides all we truly need to defeat temptation. It's through his spirit that our sins are forgiven and we cling to that. And it's our physical needs daily that God's ready and willing to supply every need. So as we wrap this up, the question is, are we truly allowing God's love to flow through us to others and keeping our eyes upward, knowing what God's called us to do and knowing maybe outward, it doesn't look like we can do it, but keeping our eyes upward, we can be consistent in prayer, persisting until the Spirit empowers and the doors are open. Over and over and over, I was humbled that Paul asks churches, hey, can you pray for me to share the gospel? Like, Paul, if anyone doesn't need prayer for that, it would be Paul, but he's like, hey, I need prayer. I need opportunities. I'm in jail. There's a jailer here. Just, it's kind of awkward because I'm in prison, I need, but I need an opportunity to share with him. Hey, pray as we get out of jail. I want to go share the gospel more, but I need prayer for that. Certainly, that's a prayer that's bigger than maybe some of ours have been. And opportunity we have now is to keep our eyes upward, not outward, and seeking what the Lord would do in and through us. And as we transition in a time of communion, reminding ourselves that this Christian life isn't to be almost victorious, but it's to be walking in that victory every day, knowing that we have an audience with the King. 100% of the time, 24-7, every day of the year, we can go to God because Jesus came and gave His life for ours. He took God's wrath upon Him so we would be set free. And as, as we remind ourselves weekly, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then God's wrath is upon you. His judgment for your sin, everything you've thought, said, or done, you're going to pay for But as believers, we know that God's wrath has been poured out already on his son. When he died on the cross, when he was buried in the grave and he walked out of the grave, he says, look, I've paid it, it is finished. Believe in me and you'll be saved. So if that's you, then just confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. And let us know so we can rejoice with you and walk with you through that process. And the next step for you as a believer is to be baptized. The next step is for you to be in learning how to pray. And for us as believers, man, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's hard times that we need to be prayed for and ushered into the presence of the King. Sometimes as Romans eight says, we don't know how to pray and the spirit prays for us, but sometimes we don't know how to pray and another believer will pray with us. So we're gonna give you this time to pray to the father. You have access to him, not just here, but everywhere. And if you're a believer and you want someone to pray for you, just stand up where you're at. And we got some elders and some people that'll come alongside you. And like we've been talking about, it's okay. Prayer's awkward. It's even a little more awkward when a strange elder comes and says, hey, how can I pray for you? And you tell him, but as a family, where else are we going to be vulnerable and real except here? So we want to give you a few minutes to go to the Father in prayer, and then I'll come wrap us up after our time of communion.